Chapter Twenty Five of Anglo American Memories by George Washburn Smalley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five Great Examples of War Correspondence. But Sedan, from the Prussian point of view, was one thing. From the French, it might be, and must be, quite another. Monsieur Maisonel, had things gone otherwise, might have been expected to give us the French version, but since he was with the French headquarters in Sedan, he was presumably a prisoner of war, and nothing was to be hoped for from him. Mr. Holt White, fresh from the field, thought there was little or no chance. No one except Mr. White had got through from either army. The English papers of Monday morning were a blank, except for a few rather ragged telegrams. Mr. Robinson, at the Daily News, had nothing. There was a lull. I am speaking of war news proper, for there was, of course, the one great event of Saturday in Paris, and there was no certainty whence the next flash of light, or lightning, would come. Sedan had been fought on Thursday, and it was now Monday afternoon. While I sat in the Tribune office in Pell-Mell, brooding on these difficulties, and almost despairing of further good fortune, the door opened, and in walked Maisonal. He had not telegraphed, he had a Gallic indifference to time and to the technique of journalism. He had just come as soon as he could. An angel from heaven would have been less welcome. Were you in Sedan during the battle? Yes, and outside with the army. Were you taken prisoner? yes you were released well i forget whether i was released or whether i escaped to escape meant that he had taken his chance of being shot by a prussian sentry and also of being rearrested and tried by court-martial should he fall again into prussian hands released therefore seemed the better word of the two have you written your account no i had no means of writing while a prisoner and i have since been doing my best to get to london as in white's case there was time enough maisonel had an english side to him his mother was english and that half of him was imperturbable neither the danger he had passed nor the task that lay before him all inexperienced as he was shook his nerves he was quite ready to sit down and write at once as in white's case i copied sheet by sheet maisonel's english was here and there at fault but was on the whole good what was more important his memory was precise he knew how to tell his story clearly and he gave us a picture of the battle horrors from within the beleaguered town or from within the french defence which he made the reader see as he himself had seen them he wrote on till he had filled four columns, modestly wondering, as he wrote, whether he was not too diffuse, wondering that it should be thought worth cabling, wondering whether his English was good enough, and wondering whether the military part of it was not all nonsense. Reassured on all these points, he wrote fluently and joyfully, at midnight laying down his pen with the remark, Enfin, je vide mon sac monsieur maisonel's dispatch appeared in the tribune complete on tuesday morning neither mr weaver nor the newfoundland lines were out of order this time the tribune had therefore within less than three days of the first coming of the news of the battle of sedan given to the american public complete accounts 
ten columns altogether of the battle from the prussian side and from the french side a unique performance nor was this all the revolution in paris and the declaration of the republic september fourth were dealt with not less fully and of course by cable during four days the number of words cabled was a little over sixteen thousand at a cost of as many dollars if we never rose again to quite those heights it was because never again was there such a quick sequence of great events but for a long time the daily average was high and not long after this the daily news service became efficient and as i have said before the tribune in the end profited by it before however the full advantage of that accrued came the surrender of metz october twenty seventh and the remarkable narrative including a visit to metz published simultaneously by the daily news and the tribune it was supposed in london that mr archibald forbes was the author of this narrative and it was reckoned among his best performances the daily news never thought it worth while to state the truth nor was it bound to make any statement the real author was mr gustav muller a correspondent in the employment of the tribune as in the other cases i have described mr gustav muller came to london and wrote his accounts in the tribune office it was cabled forthwith to new york and a copy handed to the daily news it was the first to be published in london and the first to be published in new york so far as london is concerned it is enough to say that the times on the following morning copied it from the daily news crediting it to the daily news with a deserved compliment and saying we congratulate our contemporary on the energy and enterprise of its correspondent still mr robinson did not think it needful to explain that it was in fact a tribune dispatch and that it was a tribune correspondent who had wrung from the times this testimony the tale has a tragic end for a long time i thought it a tragedy of death i sent mr gustav muller back to the field at once with a large sum of money i never heard from him again inquiries in every possible quarter brought no tidings of him it seemed plain that he had fallen in battle or had been murdered and robbed by some of the bands that hang on the outskirts of every army some years after i told the whole story in harper's magazine leaving the mystery unexplained otherwise than by conjecture when lo it appeared that mr gustav muller had not fallen by a french bullet or a brigand's knife but was alive in new york and ready to submit to an interview if he were truly reported he seemed to think his conduct in no need of defence he had changed his mind and instead of returning to the field had gone home why he never wrote to me or communicated in any way with the tribune he omitted to say as i have stripped one leaf from mr forbes laurels i will add that two of the most brilliant news exploits in all the history of war journalism are to be credited to him one was his night ride of a hundred and ten miles alone through a hostile country after the british victory of ulundi july fourth eighteen seventy nine lord chelmsford commanding the british forces had refused forbes leave to start and given orders for his arrest he risked the british bullets and the zulu assages and got through the other was at the ship capas in august eighteen seventy seven 
it was the crisis of the russo-turkish war general gurko was holding the pass suleiman pasha day after day was flinging his whole force against the russian entrenchments the world was waiting no news came the russians and turks were not people who concerned themselves much about public opinion forbes was at bucharest tired of expecting messages from the scene he rode to the pass made his way through the turks and into the russian lines stayed in the trenches till he had satisfied himself and he was a competent judge that suleiman's efforts was spent and that gurko could hold his own and then made his way out again hoping to reach bucharest in time for a dispatch that night to the daily news at or near Ternova, he was stopped by the russians and taken before the czar the czar like the rest of the world was without news he had sent one aide-de-camp after another to the pass no one had returned forbes used to say that the czar treated him very well he asked if it was true that forbes had been with general gurko and when told it was desired that the exact situation should be explained to him forbes set it forth with that military clearness and precision which made his work in the field invaluable the czar asked him if he could draw a plan he drew it all sorts of questions were put to him he answered all he was asked for his opinion i told his imperial majesty that i had been a soldier that i had much experience of battles as a correspondent and that i had no doubt general gurko would hold the pass the interview lasted an hour or more at the end i besought his majesty's permission to continue my journey saying i thought nothing was known in europe and that it was for the interest of russia that the facts which i had had the honour to lay before his imperial majesty should be made public the czar thanked me for the information i had given declared himself convinced it was true and my judgment well founded and dismissed me so forbes rode on arriving at bucharest the first point from which it was possible to telegraph at eight o'clock in the evening it was forbes himself who told me the story i had been in the saddle or in the trenches and under fire for three days and nights without sleep and with little food when i walked into the hotel at bucharest i was a beaten man i felt as if i could not keep awake or sit in my chair much less write yet it was an opportunity which does not come twice in a man's life i had and nobody else had the news for which all europe was hungering the most momentous news since sedan but not one word written and not an ounce of strength left well what did you do the answer was curious indeed i called the waiter and told him to bring me a pint of champagne unopened i uncorked it put the neck of the bottle into my mouth before the gas had time to escape and drank the whole of the wine then i sat up and wrote the four columns which appeared next morning in the daily news i remember that narrative well there was not in it from beginning to end a trace of fatigue or confusion it was a bulletin of war written with masterly ease with the most admirable freshness and force nothing better of the kind was ever done it rang from one end of europe to the other and across the atlantic the hour and the man in this case had come together 
and if forbes had done nothing else this would entitle him to the immortality which is his all the same the pint of champagne was a hazardous experiment forbes knew it but as he said it was that or nothing the next man who tries it ought to be very sure that he has both the intellectual elasticity forbes had and his physique End of chapter twenty five